So I bought a car and they gave me the keys and I got in it and I'm like, I guess I'm driving home. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Hey, I'm Steve. And I'm Lance. We're Curious Car Guys. Welcome to Launch Control. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Steve and I'm here with Lance. What's going on, y'all? And we're here talking about cars and car culture. And we're going to talk a lot more today about things we know. And we're not exploring a whole lot about what we don't know, but that's okay. We're learning some new things, right? We're going to talk (laughs) about some stuff we've seen in the news. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, let's get to it. Let's do it. Um, First thing that um, I noticed was an article this week about the Tesla pickup truck. Yeah, I'm excited. You feeling that? I totally am. Um, I mean, I love my pickup truck. I love everything about that pickup truck life, which was which is new to me in the last couple of years. Um, What's that pickup truck like? Like, and it's like you get in that thing and you just feel unconstrained, right? Traffic red at a red light. There's a median. I don't care. I'll just go <laughs> over the median, right? Like, I don't know. There's just something about it that you don't ever, you don't often get to use the the functionality of a pickup truck or an yeah. SUV, right? Like. You, 99% of the time you're doing exactly what everybody else in a, in yeah. a any type of vehicle is doing yeah. but there's just something about that feel that invincible feeling like being if I high up. To. yeah got the steel bumper on the front you know somebody <laughs> I wish you would hit me yeah, <laughs> go ahead and brake check me let's see what happens i'll win <laughs> so um, yeah no it's just a cool feeling i like it and tesla i mean i've always liked the idea of tesla and and their products and what they provide to the automotive experience yeah um and i know people have varying reasons as to why they would get an ev a plug-in electric vehicle you know whether it's for tax breaks or whether it's for don't want to spend money on gas or they think they're doing better for the environment or whatever there's a lot of motivations there so i think there's a little something for everybody but just the an ev truck is cool yeah i feel like if you were going to move towards making people drive cleaner this is where you would want to have it you would want it with pickup trucks and get people to where they're not rolling coal and they're not going for eight miles a gallon, that kind of thing. This is where the benefit hits, you know? And yeah, that's smart. That's a good, that's a good thought because you know, yeah. Cars Um, now shoot, I can get a civic to run 40, 50 miles a gallon. So we've kind of gotten to a place where the, it's incremental benefit on passenger cars. So where can you make the best impact on, yeah. Yeah. On the environment and on, on fuel consumption and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been cool. Like now you see, um, people start to develop, um, battery packs and powertrains for, uh, 18 wheelers, which are like, okay, now we're getting into the actual environmental change part of this. Right. Yeah. Um, but I really like the idea of an electric truck because when most people that are shopping for truck, they're a truck, they're after torque. Right. Exactly. And, and that's the biggest fault, torque. especially having a Tacoma midsize truck. Um, it's not a torque monster. Yeah. Right? It's not super, super powerful. I think the, the towing capacity of my Tacoma is like 6,500 pounds or something. And that's stretching it, to be honest. It's, yeah. uh, you know, when, when we were pulling the skyline back up from uh, the Houston area, it was about as much as that car, that truck could take for 350 miles. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, having something now, I don't know if, if um, Mr. Musk's five, what was it, 300,000 uh, pound towing capacity claim? You could tow the world. You could tow, yeah. But could you stop it once yeah. you get it going? That's my that's my <laughs> whole question. I get it that electric motors have torque, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, you can get something pulled that's heavy, but you got to be able to stop it once it's going. So. Well, you kind of need this thing called longevity. Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a dreamer. Yeah, longevity too, right? Like, like I can tow anything for a foot. <laughs> you know. That's right. 
It's all good. So, but no, but you're We're behind right. you, Elon. We are. We're behind the concept and we'll see what it turns out to be in practice. But I agree that um, the torque of electric motors is very well applied in a truck type yeah. of scenario for yeah. sure. Unless you're like rock crawling, then it's a different scenario. But for a pickup truck that's just doing street duty, tow duty, and it looks, I love that they're making it look like yeah. a truck should. So I've know? seen, I've seen several different renderings and they, yeah. none of them look the same. It's all, I don't think, yeah. I don't know if, if Tesla has leaked enough that there's that one very cryptic rendering that they leaked that you can't, you can't tell. Is that a funky that a TV remote or is, or is it, that yeah. a truck? Yeah. So, um, but he, uh, what I read, Elon said, it's going to look very blade runner ish. Yeah. So if they don't, screw that up and it actually does look like some of the better renderings that could yeah. that could be a, a hot tamale especially at an entry price of under 50k yeah don't make it look like the suv with the the model trunk the model uh x, x? Yeah. yeah don't do that let's let's yeah. make it look beefy yeah it needs to look tough it needs yeah. to look tonka right yeah. like some of the renderings uh a few years ago of what the new bronco was going to look like yeah those look, are sweet yeah needs to look kind of like that kind of not, not super retro but definitely chunky and beefy and truck like yeah. yeah yeah i can dig that yeah. it's it's a good look so he's also they're also claiming up to 500 miles range on the truck which is interesting because that's far superior to any of their other models as far as i know i'm thinking you could probably pack a lot more battery yeah in a bigger capacity vehicle. in it yeah. right yeah cool so we'll see what's up yeah i'll definitely check it out when it comes out for sure and then i'll buy your taco yeah <laughs> right on man <laughs> um i i wanted to ask you one other thing that i was seeing you know i've, I've read stories about um fca had a partnership that they were pursuing with renault okay who renault already has a partnership with Nissan, which is really kind yep. of twisted and yep. whatever. So, well, that thing kind of fell through and the details of that whole thing, why it fell through, I'm sure will come out in the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, but I read another article talking about Ford and GM um, that they might merge. It's starting to look like them merging makes sense. And they talk about like, okay, Ford has obviously dropped pretty much every car from their lineup. They yeah. sell exclusively SUVs and trucks and then a Mustang here and another car there. But um, they were talking about how their market share has dipped by double digits since then. Wow. And so they, they're really the F-150 is the only thing that's selling yeah. well for them. Yeah. Where GM has a more diversified portfolio, um, what they were saying in the article was that they do a lot better in China where Ford tanked in China after they lost their cars. Mm. So, um, the idea of them coming together was, it was becoming more of a real possibility. So, you know, we've been talking about the, the BMW Toyota thing with uh, Supra Mm -hmm. and then, you know, obviously the BRZ, you've got Subaru and Toyota getting together. What would you rather see? Would you rather see two companies come together and become one company or would you rather see a collaboration and why? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think to me, I mean, I'm, I'm an, I'm a Japanese Mark enthusiast, so, um, I don't mind the partnerships, but if you were to come to me and say BMW and Toyota are merging and will be the same company moving forward, I would probably just say this life's not worth living anymore. (laughs) Um, so my personal take between the whole Ford and GM thing is it, I don't, it, to me, it's all the same. It's American cars. So yep. um, it's never been, I have a fond appreciation for a lot of them um, and I've owned some, but uh, 
to me, it doesn't make a huge difference. And it almost makes sense, especially seeing the direction that Ford has chosen to go. Right. Like, so let Ford make the trucks, let GM focus yeah. on, on SUVs and cars or whatever. GM is not doing well with the trucks right now. Right. They're, trucks look so let's like let crap. let that yeah but so should yeah. they partner or should they yeah um or should they merge i don't know i mean that does it really matter at the end of the day whether it's a partnership or a merger i, I guess i think for somebody like you and me yeah, probably not right. i'm thinking about the f-150 guy that suddenly has it's not an f-150 anymore right. or what are we going to do about camaro versus mustang what are we right. going to do but like you're talking about two people who used to be arch enemies in two cultures who yeah. can be arch enemies suddenly you're like, Oh, y'all live together now. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting. And I, but I'm with you. Like if you, it's uh, most people freak out about just the collaboration piece, but right. then we got to understand here, like, Hey, every Nissan you buy, there's a Renault attached to it. You know, they right. might be two separate car companies, but they're sure. one company. Yeah. Right. And, um, what's funny is like now, Nissan or Renault, it's hard for them to make moves independently because they're tied Joined to the hip, hip. Yeah. Right. So it, it's funny to me that like we, it's kind of, what would you rather see? I mean, you might see BMW switch gear into Toyota. Sure. But would you rather have it that way? Or would you rather have no Toyota or no BMW and like one company that who knows what would happen? Yeah. Like cars get killed you know, certain model lines get killed and this and the, who wins that. And yeah, I think to me, and, and those are all really good points. I think to me from an enthusiast perspective and being kind of empathetic to folks who are hardcore GM or hardcore Ford fans, I think I would prefer if it was more of a collaboration where yeah. maybe GM licenses some of Ford's truck architecture or technology and maybe f- you know, vice versa, Ford licenses some platforms from GM that are working really well for mm-hmm. them to create Ford vehicles Best off of, breed. um, and, and they can benefit from one another and have some economies of scale. You know, all of a sudden GM's making a little more money off their cars because Ford is licensing that and making their own and vice versa, um, versus a, a complete merger would be, yeah. from an enthusiast perspective, I think would be challenging, a, a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, it would be. Um, whatever the case may be, they should probably have a joint venture really develop their EV program. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, we were just talking before we hit record, that's kind of a big part of automotive future is the Tesla and the Rivian and these other EV mm-hmm. type of uh, programs that for, you know, in America, we have the corporate average fuel economy um, metrics that these these uh, manufacturers need to, to adhere to. Um, and they're using EV as a part of their strategy to hit that, but none of them are doing it very, very well, right? right? Like right. none of them other are, are super mainstream. You don't yeah. see uh, Chevy Volts every day, like just driving <laughs> like ever. Or, ever. Yeah. Um, and I think the last one I saw was LS swapped actually. Um, so my case in point, like <laughs> that's actually kind of awesome. Yeah. So okay. they need to, that might be a good strategy. I don't know. Yeah. This is like, cause Ford actually doesn't have but, one. They don't have an EV strategy. Didn't Ford just invest like a bunch of money in Rivian? They did. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Because they had nothing. Right. And so, and but GM is farther along. I mean, obviously they've had EV cars for sure. a long time. Yeah. And that was another, I guess, pro for the merger. Yeah. Um, was that Ford would benefit from yeah. GM's development there. But So I'd like to see that. Like I'd like yeah. to see somebody... Um, who's a legitimate competitor to Tesla come up and, and push Tesla to be better. Yeah. Uh, cause right now Tesla can just do whatever they want and yeah. they're the king of the hill no matter what. So yeah. it'd be nice if kind of like 
Ford and their friends and GM and their friends all kind of got together and said, all right, let's knock Tesla off their high horse and, um, and let's do something cool. Cause that would just be awesome for consumers. We'd have more options and, and it would push the technology into a better place. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I like the collaboration idea. That's why, you know, I, I like the idea of a BRZ. I like the idea that these cars exist because companies figured out a way to take what they do best team them up and then still have independence in how they tune and make a car feel and so on and so forth. Right. With their own iterative versions like the Z4 versus the Supra. And also, um, what a consistent thread in the story of the new Supra is that BMW has admitted they learned a lot about engineering and manufacturing working with a Japanese company. And so again, that just speaks to the fact that these collaborations are better for consumers because BMW is not a brand new company. They've been around for hundreds of years making cars a hundred years making cars. And so, um, the fact that they can learn something new is incredible. Yeah. And the fact that they, they have just learned some new things that they can now take some of what I love about Japanese engineering and manufacturing and apply it to German yeah. cars. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I'm sure be, Toyota learned some stuff in, along the way as well. Probably about I mean, vehicle they, dynamics. They learned, they learned that they don't need know. to make their own engine. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> or switch gear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I like that too. I like, but what you do come up with is like a diluted identity and the sacrifice of collaborations is diluted identity in terms of, okay, yeah, sure. BMW may learn how to make something more reliable, which is great for the BMW guy. Yeah. Maybe Toyota learned something about vehicle dynamics and so on from the BMW guys, but then they both become a little bit more like each other. Right. And right. it's, and it's a better car at the end. Yeah. that each of them makes, but they're just more like each other. And that's what I think most people freak out about is they want to keep that really strong identity. And yeah. then, Hey, I hope someday you can make a, I know you can make a car that last Toyota, but I hope someday you can make a fun car. Well, yeah. this is kind of how a fun car happens. Otherwise a fun car takes forever. I would rather take that than I lost BMW or Toyota as a company or suddenly BMW is subject to just what Toyota yeah, says it's or about, vice versa. You know, it's about picking and choosing as a person and as an enthusiast what you want to be romantic about. Do you want to be romantic about the name Toyota, which I've, yeah. I've outspokenly been in conversations about this new Supra? Um, or do you, or as a car guy, are you just super romantic about the idea of a really interesting car to own and drive? Um, so you have to pick and choose at the end of the day, does it matter if it says Toyota on it or if if it says Shmoyota on it? And at the end of the day, you're driving it and how does it make you feel when you're driving it? Yeah. And, and, and to me, the other wrinkle to this is that whole romantic idea of, you know, Japanese or German engineering or American engineering. I don't know if that's a thing, but if they do that, you got to understand like half of those cars are made in Mexico. Yeah. You know, another third of these cars oh, are made totally in the States. it's totally a global economy, another... yeah. You pop the hood on any car and there's like, everything is third party sourced, yeah. right? Like, it's not like these manufacturers are making all their own relays and solenoids and hoses and wiring loom. Like, all of that stuff is outsourced to third party contractors. They're so there's nothing make pure. The same thing. There's nothing pure. Yeah, and those contractors work for other brands as yeah. well. Like, Toyota's getting their whatever from the switch gear, switch gear from the Get same place Nissan's from getting a certain it. company exactly. you know <laughs> so i mean you're right in the fact that if we're truly honest with ourselves there is no pure car yeah uh, or if there is it's these smaller companies that are the one off you know i think of like um like the Celine S7 mm-hmm. right like that was a one that is purely Celine car yeah. has a Ford engine i believe but um but still it is a 
the most pure car, you know, definition of a pure car is any example I can think of right yeah. now. And there's others out there, but, um, uh, so even Tesla, like has Mercedes, the, the park reverse drive mm-hmm. switch on the stock on the thing. It's from, it's straight out of a Mercedes. Yep. So even Tesla doesn't make their own switch gear. Yeah. They source it from other places. Yeah. Um, so lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we are. I mean, really though, just like, is the car do you like the car? Like, and yeah, I just get, be thankful the car exists. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, we do have a weird way though of wanting to be, uh, to pledge allegiance to the brand. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. You know, I, I, I want it as much as everybody else does. I think what we don't see is we get so wrapped up in the brand part of it that we don't understand that the cars that we like, we lose a risk or we run the risk of losing them. Yeah. If we, don't come off the the edge of the cliff a little bit. But there's and, always going to be another one. Yeah. Right? Like, so yeah. So if Ford goes away and uh, decides they made a, a horrible decision uh, in, in only producing trucks and Mustangs and they go under and now we have got no more Ford trucks and Mustangs because Ford went out of business. Yeah. There's always going to be another truck or another kind of pony car style car to go own as a consumer. You think? Sure. But not like... It won't have a prancing it, pony on the grill. But it... Well, see, like trucks are one area where I feel like you still get very distinct flavors. Like if I drive a Tundra, which I have, and then I drive a Silverado and an F-150 back to back, they're all very distinct experiences. True. Where stuff like cars... Yeah, you know, between countries, you can see a variance in style and this and that. Um, but if you're driving... Generally speaking, if you're driving an Altima versus a um, mid-sized car from another make, uh, that's Jap Asian and yeah, uh, in orientation, it's kind of all the same, mm-hmm. so to speak. But and you then feel you like up, it's more distinctive in trucks. I f- I do. Yeah. I mean, based on like if I'm riding in your Tacoma, that's a way different experience than me riding in a mid-sized like a Canyon mm-hmm. or this and that. Like the look is different. The build quality is sure. way different. The aesthetic, everything yeah, but is what I'm diff- saying was if the Chevy Colorado or if the Ford Ranger disappeared out of the market, it would yeah. leave a vacuum that would be filled, I think, by something else. Yeah, it could be. Right. And so There'll there's always be an there's option. There's always going to be an option. And yeah. it may not feel and look and and smell exactly like the one that went away that you yeah. miss. Um, and so, yeah, so that's a sacrifice and you that's a genuine loss else. for a lot of people. But I think there will always be something that is interesting to replace it, especially you know, if you, I get that some people like I am, a, some people out there would say I'm a Corvette guy and I just yeah. love Corvettes and they, yeah. they wouldn't maybe even be able to put their finger on exactly what they love so much about yeah. Corvettes. Um, but they would describe it in words about, you know, two seater mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. heritage and V8 and rear wheel drive. But there are other cars that can provide that same or similar driving experience or better yeah. driving experience. Um, so if your Corvette went away, if you were a car guy, you would be able to find a replacement. But True. if you were a Corvette guy, maybe, maybe You'd not. You'd just be yeah. in the dumps about it. And I wonder what they feel about the, the, uh, the next Corvette I that's going to not be, not be front engine. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, that's maybe interesting they're feeling a loss. I don't know. It would seem to me, that, yeah, I'm not quite sure why they went that route. They want, they've seem, been wanting to for generations. I mean, but. They have. It yeah. just seems like a, a new car. It should be a new car. And you just keep the Corvette what it yeah. is. I don't know, but I'm not a GM guy, so I wouldn't. Right. Yeah. I like the old school vets, meaning like I like the V8 in the front. Make it a package that it keeps punching above its weight. Yeah. And sure, the materials aren't the best, but 
man, does it go. A great horse, yeah. 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 So, yeah, whatever they decide to do there, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I guess we'll just see how the Ford and GM thing plays out. Mm. Um, I, I would, again, from my perspective, I'd prefer to see more of a collaboration than a merger, I think. Yeah. Just for all the reasons we talked about. But Me we'll too. see what happens. Me too. Yeah. I'd like to see more collaborations, less mergers. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears a bit. We're kind of in graduation season. Um, kids are getting cars or going off to college. Maybe they don't need them depending on the college you're going to. But, um, it's always an interesting time for me cause I get requests from people on, Hey, I'm shopping for my kid. You know, yeah. what should I buy? And, uh, more importantly, what should I stay away from? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I, th- I thought I'd run that by you too. Um, cause I've got some ideas and I kind of run through the same process with people in terms of, you know, what kind of person are they? you know, the, the graduate, you know, are they the type right. that is just, it's just an appliance. I just need to get to class and back. Right. Or is it something where, you know, they want to feel a little bit different. Do they want to feel this and that? And what's your tolerance yeah. for X, Y, and Z. But just off the cuff, if, if somebody came to you and asked you that, what would you be doing? And I'll just say, let's just put a budget of like 10 grand. Cause okay. usually a first car, 10 grand is a pretty nice car. Yeah. 10 grand and below. Cause, uh, when I was in high school, I, I drove my mom's old Buick and then I upgraded to my dad's old station wagon. It was, uh, it was not a G body. Oh. My parents were not that cool <laughs> with their car selection. Um, it was like a Buick park Avenue. It was oh. front wheel drive with yeah. 3.8 liters. It's like six. driving a sofa. Yeah. Super exactly. cush. Like I did the like that part. Seat. They have a bench seat in the front. It had a bench seat in the front, <laughs> nice. but dude, it had push button climate control. It was that yeah, was the joint back then. Yeah. Column shifter. The numbers on the clock were like six inches tall. Yes. Yeah. And the um, speedometer went all the way up to 85. Yep. It was maroon and uh, it had a maroon interior. interior. Love it. Yeah, man. I think, I, I think my dad test drove that car oh, when, yeah. I was, when I was in college or something. Yeah, it was. I remember uh, test driving a car that met, ticked all those same boxes that you just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he ended up not getting, he got a Toyota Avalon instead. Oh, um, okay. But... Um, yeah, so uh, my first car, first car, so in high school, um, was one that I paid twelve hundred bucks for, um, and it was a nineteen eighty six Dodge Charger, which was the same yeah, as the, the Plymouth Laser. One. Yeah, the yeah. hatchback one, right? And they uh, they made some Shelby variants of it. <laughs> um, and, I remember that. Yeah, one. and yeah. this was not bad. This was just the base model. It was gray automatic. It's a square headlights, right? Square, yeah, the four yeah. square headlights in the front, yeah, and it yeah. had a carbureted, you know, four cylinder that maybe made a hundred horsepower. It was later called the Daytona, wasn't it? They made a Daytona. Yes, they made a uh, a Charger. They made a Daytona. They made a Plymouth Laser. Laser I think mm-hmm. was that. Um, and I feel like there was another variant of the same platform as well, but I, I can't think of it. Maybe, yeah. maybe there wasn't. Um, so yeah, my, uh, the, but I will say I wasn't a car guy yet. I still knew that I liked cars and yeah. I was excited to have one. Um, but I think that a person's first car is important to them. I think it's more any, any person's first car that they own is more important to them to some people than cars consecutive. So, um, so I think even non-car enthusiast teens still find uh, some th- aspects of their first car that they that they fi- that they find important 
more so than maybe they will in their late twenties when yeah. they just want to get to work and save right. money on gas and right. not worry about maintenance. So especially in high school, those first two years. I mean, I understand when you're a graduate, maybe you're not as in tune with this right because you're just going to class and leaving in yeah. a parking lot but in high school you're driving everywhere that's your identity yeah. too you know it's yep. like what you drive is kind of a big deal and then it becomes less of a big deal in college yeah. and then depending on which way you go from an enthusiast standpoint yeah it either is no big deal at all and or you it's just everything kill. it's everything <laughs> yeah if you yeah. stay like kids like me yep so um i would say that for for a car person or a non-car person um, I'd probably make some slightly different suggestions. Um, however, overall, I think safety is pretty key mm-hmm. for a new driver. Yeah. So you want something you, I wouldn't put a kid in a Miata for their first car, for example. Right. But although actually there's a lot of good reasons why you would, yeah. but that brings up a, a good point, which is this, this conversation I had with a friend of mine who grew up in Germany um, years ago and he, we were talking about kind of this topic and he was saying how in Germany, when you're getting your driving license, uh, for the first time, you have to be able to drive a standard transmission. You mm-hmm. won't, they won't even give you a driver license if all you could drive is an automatic. We um, wouldn't even have rush hour traffic. I know did that. nobody would be on the roads. <laughs> um, so I, I think that personally for me, I want my kids to be able to know how to drive a, a five speed and they're 10 and seven now. So they're still six years away from getting a license. Um, and, and the manuals will be even more extinct by then. But, um, but I think that it's important if only for the fact that they're going to be out with their friends, if somebody gets sick or somebody shouldn't be driving or whatever, and that person has a five speed car, I don't want my kids to be the limiting factor of who's able to get from point A to point B. Um, also, I think that there's just a lot of um, learning about the respect for driving that comes from operating three pedals in a stick. Yeah, you think so? I think so. I think that what, you know, the the whole um, idea of I can do other things while I'm driving. Oh, okay. I see what you're that saying. That comes from automatic and even now some of these driving assist like cars where you don't have to have your hands on the steering wheel and, and those sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, to be att- as attentive. As attentive, yeah. Um, so, um, and I know we've talked about the future of driving in past episodes and how I've made the comment that my kids, when they turn 16, won't even have to drive. They'll just, a car will show up, they'll get in it and it'll take them. And I still think that's likely to be the case. Yeah. Um, but, but I still, I want my kids to be able to drive a standard car. I don't know if I would necessarily make that their, uh, a requirement for their first car, but I would like their first year of driving to be a car with a standard transmission. Yeah. So what would that be? I like the idea of a Subaru. So, okay, as a parent, when when you're looking at a Subaru or any yeah. other car for your first for your kid's first car, mm-hmm. do you have things in your mind in terms of it has to be at least this new or it has to be under this kind of mile? Or are you Not more like, me. hey, look, as long no, as it's honestly, the, right car. the more the more that they're having to change the oil themselves and do basic maintenance and the, that that's all the better for me. Cool. I I'm raising my kids to know how to at least change the oil, change the tire, be able to know what spark plugs are and how to change the air filter and those sorts of things. So, yeah. um, and, and having owned Subarus, it's a good car to be a first car, right? So I think like to, a tell non-turbo, me specifically. Yeah, like, a non-turbo Impreza wagon, I think would be a yeah fantastic first car for a teenager. And those are pretty reliable. Very reliable um, oh. and all wheel drive. So, and I mean, we live in Dallas, so snow's not really a concern, <laughs> but um, the, the one Traction time every bro. three years that it happens, you know, yeah. But um, all wheel drive is, is 
interesting and nice and safe. I know that it, when I had my Subaru, the all-wheel drive definitely came in handy. On a couple occasions, I there was one time I had to do an emergency maneuver, and it was in some of this freezing rain that we get where the yeah. um, where the overpasses freeze, mm-hmm. um, and a, a car in front of me just I don't know what he did. It was actually a pickup truck. Just we were going real slow, like maybe fifteen miles an hour over an overpass, and he just started rotating and went completely sideways right in front of me, and I was able to. Uh, just react yeah. and got around him. The, the car did its job and uh, it maintained traction. I was able to avoid him and, and huh. it, uh, all was good. So, okay. um, you know, safety, that that to me is a safety feature that I yeah. would like my kids to have the advantage of. So I think like a nice Impreza 2.5 um, wagon would be a cool first car yeah. for a kid. And not, you know, I know that that's probably not the coolest car. Dad, that's a <laughs> wagon. I don't want a wagon. But, you know, you, you're doing sports and you're throwing a bunch of yeah. kids and you're, you know, going to college and packing up. And so, yeah. Yeah. So well, I think cool. to me, that would be a good suggestion. And definitely it hits that 10K and under ballpark for, oh, for yeah, a decent, for sure. a decent mile. So those are like example. in the six, six, seven ish, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. You and know. if you wanted to go maybe a little bit nicer, you can, I don't know what. Um, I don't, maybe you'd have to ditch the, the five speed, you know, I think anything in the like Camry Accord kind of, you know, the basic midsize sedan, uh, of course, again, people are going to point out you, you're only talking about Japanese cars, but it's what I know. No, that's exactly that actually. And for that use case, yeah. like for under 10 K you're shopping for a kid and you place some premiums on reliability. Yeah. I'd wipe out the European cars. I'd wipe out the American stuff. It would be, my list would almost exclusively be Japanese. Yeah. And it would start with those kind of cars. Yep. Like the mainstream, like if you want more of the appliance and you just want something to get right. around, go Accord, go Camry, you know, do a CRV or a Highlander yeah. or, you know, if you want a truck, you know, something like that. Um, because, a Tacoma would be a great first. Oh, actually, my son thinks that he's getting my Tacoma as his first car, <laughs> which may happen if I if I end up if I don't you, trade it in on a Tesla. You know the thing is with a Tacoma, I those things hold their resale like crazy. It's, it's why I bought it, to be honest. So I don't know if I ever told you the story of why how I even ended up with a truck was I was in my um, E three fifty, which holds its resale like crazy. No, it doesn't. No, <laughs> quite the opposite. So it was a twenty fourteen. It had I don't know forty thousand miles or something on it, um, and it, I was watching the depreciation. It was depreciating faster than I could pay it off. Right, <laughs> like it would depreciate more than the equivalent of my monthly payment every month. So um, I was just like, this is not. I love the car. It was a fantastic yeah. car. Love yeah, yeah. driving that car. It was yeah. white on black, sport. It had the AMG sport appearance package. Yeah. It was just a beautiful, comfortable, lovely car. And it's surprisingly reliable. Like that was very reliable. One of the that was actually one of my suggestions if you're willing to roll the dice a bit. Yeah. Cause if you get if you get one, they're actually when you have to service it is expensive, but you don't have to service that particular mm-hmm. model much. No. So it, it was nice, but I couldn't get over the fact that it was just depreciating as fast because you could find i've shopped those cars because i was looking for a kind of a daily just (coughs) airport car road trip car that kind of thing and like a 04 to 06 you can get below right below five thousand for a pretty good mileage one if you wanted the updated looks you'll pay five to seven thousand and like okay that was i think that was about a seventy thousand dollar car brand new and it was not that long ago Mm -hmm. we're talking less than 15 years yeah yeah, so that tells you the depreciation. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> so, nice. I, so I did research and I was like, "What is the the um, the highest resale value vehicle in America? Like, 
just out of curiosity, yeah. what of all the vehicles, what holds its value the best? Number one, number one on the list was the FJ Cruiser. Oh yeah, those things like have gotten more expensive. Yeah, over time. exactly. Number two was the Tacoma. Really? Yep. And so I was like, okay, I don't. I could do an FJ Cruiser, but I liked the idea of a Tacoma better. Yeah. Um, just because of the utility of having a bed and having, you know, I know that the interior room is a little bit smaller, but I don't really need a lot on the day to day. So, um, and I just think they look cooler. The yeah. third gen Tacoma I thought looked cooler than yeah, an FJ yeah. Cruiser to me. No, it's a great Even though I, I have tons of love for the FJ Cruiser. I yeah. love that car or truck, whatever. Um, so that's how I ended up getting rid of that Mercedes. And in a Tacoma was I, I, it was strictly on depreciation. Huh. Um, and so that's how I have yeah, Tacoma. But that's and so now my, now my son will have it and it'll probably still be worth what it's worth today. Yeah, exactly. Six years from now. <laughs> it probably will be. I had a friend of mine that had a, a little taco. Like he didn't, it wasn't the full size. It was on like 15 inch wheels or yeah, whatever. A little two wheel drive. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think he bought it for like 4,000 something. And I think he sold it for 6,500 after yeah. driving it for eight years. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It defies it's, logic. It defies econ- economics with the, yeah. the Tacoma. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you can find one for under 10K, go for it. Um, Be a first gen if it was under 10K. Yeah. It had about 200,000 miles on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I like the trucks around it. You know, I, I, want, I would recommend a 4Runner. You know, I would yeah. recommend. There are other cars within that frame, but they're all falling. For me, they fall within exclusively within the Honda Toyota families and that's it. Yeah. Like I don't even recommend Nissans in that price range because most of them have the CBT transmission. Most mm. of them aren't built that well. Yeah. They just don't work out. Right. Sentras, Altimas, nah, no. If you're going to buy a Nissan, buy a sports car. Yeah. You know, and go with it. So So would you so for um an enthusiast maybe an kid, an enthusiast kid, would you go 350Z or Yeah. You know, enthusiast kid you know like so i kind of thought about what would be more interesting cars if you had a higher threshold for i don't know let's just say stuff that goes wrong with the car yeah um and you're okay with older cars i just started thinking oh man i put you in a civic si i put you in an integra i put you in an rsx if you wanted something a little bit newer um MR2s, E30, M3, I mean, E30, um, just regular E30 BMWs, the was old 3 Series. was my wife's first car. Yeah. Actually, she had a Tercel, I think, for her very first car, Tercels, but very quickly got a, a, a E30 with a five-speed. Awesome car. high school and college, yeah. Yeah, and like, the, I'd be rolling the 240SX, S14s, yeah. S13s, you know, like... Uh, and I, with the cars, the Europe, you can start introducing European cars like that E-Class that we were talking about. And, um, I'd throw the E46, mm-hmm. um, three series in there. It's a great car, solid, pretty reliable. I mean, yeah. as long as you do the, the basic upkeep, you should be pretty good. Yeah. The latter models of those three series, just dumb stuff goes wrong all the time. Like you're replacing sensors, windows go yeah. bad, this and that. Um, and then the early 2005 series the e39s okay. pretty style cars as long as you stay away the v8s can be kind of finicky um just with the transmission and some of the surrounding stuff and you're not going to get the best gas mileage but if you buy the six cylinder five series uh usually those have had a much easier life um and they're great cars i mean they're kind of like that e-class yeah i mean they're just solid yep don't have a whole lot going on in them 
Um, so not a whole lot breaks. You just got to do the basic upkeep. And on those German cars, is it easy for a 16, 17 year old to just say, hey, I want to learn how to change the oil and just get yeah, under there and do it? It's actually super easy yeah. on a BMW because the oil filter sits on top of the engine. Yep. You never have to get under the car. You can do a vacuum pump, suck the oil out, yep. change the oil filter while you're not under the car. Nice. No safety hazard. I mean, I change it on my M3 all the time. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're great cars, and they, it's, to me, those are the kinds of cars that start getting your kids, even if they're not interested in cars. Right, they'll become, they'll get the sense of it. Yeah, you know, like for my uh, nephews, we got them into a G thirty five, and they had always been used to like really cushy. They were they were in minivans their yeah. whole life, yep. right? And when they first got it. Um, <laughs> they were like, oh, this is a jumpy car. You know, was it, it a coupe or a sedan? It was a sedan. Yeah. And um, and they were like, yeah. And it's like, it's firm. And I was like, yeah, just drive it for a while and see what you think. And eventually that's the car they prefer. They're like, I like it tight. Yeah. I like it, you know, kind of, I like the power. I like this. And, I, and so you subtly kind of insert these things that like cars don't have to be these boring things. They can actually yeah. be cool. And when they get into another car that doesn't have the steering feel, doesn't have this, maybe they won't know how to verbalize it. Like maybe you or I would. Right. But they know, like, this doesn't drive the same, Yeah, you know? And um, so that that's actually another really good car. For under 10K, you could get a G35. You could might be able to slide into a G37 mm-hmm. um, Cooper sedan. And those cars are extremely undervalued yeah. <laughs> right now in the used market because they're, they're reliable cars. They're good cars. They're fast. They're athletic. Got enough room in them. And... There's just so many of them on the used market right now. There are. Yeah. Those things depreciate like a tank for whatever reason. So if I was buying Nissan cars, it would just be Infinities. Mm-hmm. That would be it. The non-CVT stuff. But yeah. So I, what do I you think like, on teaching a new driver manual versus <laughs> making it just kind of like if you want to? I've been kind of bribing my nephews for me to teach them. I'm like, yeah, just learn. They were like, well, I don't want to have to think about it that much. You know, I'm still trying, they're saying I'm still trying to figure out how to drive a regular car. I'm like, it's not that hard. Um, I, I would love to teach, I would love for it to be their first car as a stick. I didn't get my first stick until I went to college. So my parents bribed me with a car to stay local for college. And that car was a um, 96 240SX stick. And I had one of my friends had taught me maybe like two or three years ago how to drive stick on an MR2. Okay. Well, I hadn't driven a stick in two or three years. So driving out of that lot was a little awkward, but I did the same thing, man. When yeah. I got my, fr- I was in college when I got, mine was an MR2, my first, uh, five speed car. Yeah. It was a first gen MR2. Oh, no and, kidding. Um, I had never, nobody ever taught me how to drive stick. Oh wow. Like literally never knew. And so I went and bought this car from a little used car lot near Atlantic city. And, um, I was, I had watched people drive stick a lot. And I, when I was little, like my dad would borrow somebody's truck and he'd let me sit in the middle of the front bench seat and shift the gears while he was working the clutch yeah. and the steering wheel. Yeah. Um, so I kind of knew the rhythm and the timing, but I didn't know the feel cause I'd never done it. So mm. I bought a car and they gave me the keys and I got in it and I'm like, I guess I'm driving home. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I just figured it out on the drive home. The sales yeah. guy was like, sucker. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's cool. And, uh, I think. I'm thankful that my dad let me get one. Yeah. Um, and it very quickly became old hat, but that was cause I had in order to get anywhere, I was going to have to figure that whole thing out. Yeah. Um, so 
if it was my kid, yeah, I would definitely have them learn how to drive a stick. And I, I get, get what you're saying in terms of, um, like not being distracted and then also not letting it be a limiting factor yeah. if something's going on. Um, and when I say that, I don't just mean like if your friend is drunk and you need to drive him home. Yeah. Like I had an experience where that happened to me. I was working at a, a in, when I was in college before I got the MR2, I was working in my, my kind of summer slash weekend job at a bike shop and they needed me to make a delivery of bikes to one of the other shops that was about an hour away. Um, and the regular shop truck was already out on another delivery. So and one of the guys who had a pickup truck, he's like, just put, it's only four or five bikes. Just put them in the bed of my truck and yeah. take, take it. So I loaded the, I loaded them in the bed of his truck and I went to get in. I saw it was a five speed. Yeah. I didn't know how to drive stick. Yeah. And so I had to go inside and go to my boss and this guy and be like, Hey, I don't know how to drive <laughs> stick. So, and it was the most embarrassing conversation I'd ever had up to that point in my life with somebody in authority. And so, and they looked at me like, are you, and this was the nineties. So every, yeah. like it wasn't as big of a yeah, deal yeah. back then. It was kind of common to know everybody kind of knew right. how to drive a you stick shift. You were almost yeah. the odd man out. You were a bit the odd man out if you didn't know. Yeah. So, um, and so again, not that that's going to be a common scenario moving forward in the future, but there are situations in yeah. which it can provide a, an unavoidable obstacle. Well, and as parents, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you don't want your kid's friends driving your car mm-hmm. by a stick, that's right. And hey, it works for me with Anita. Like I have three cars and she has one. But um <laughs> but it works with kids too. So it's Just wait till you get right hand drive. I know, it's like right? down. That's gonna be awesome. <laughs> um I I just think there's a lot of benefit to it. And I, I feel like there's a it opens up a world for them, um, especially if they do well for themselves yeah. to to have this, you know, we have this thing now is the trend to have like a handcrafted experience or an artisan experience or so on and so forth. And that's really your connection. Right. That's the way to get that in a car because yeah. it's going to be the old vintage stuff and it's going to be the cars that are maybe this few cars that are available today kind of become classics automatically if they yep. come in a stick because it's not happening. Right. Um, Tesla is doing away with transmissions, period. <laughs> right? yeah. So it's kind of yep. like we're going there. Yep. So, um, I just like the idea of equipping them just like you do. Um, I just haven't been as successful with it yet. Um, <laughs> with getting the people around me to learn that. Yeah. But I like it. So I, yeah, I think for me, you know, it always seems like with students, the first order of business is it needs to run. Yeah. And if it needs to run and you're talking about that budget, I'm not trusting the American stuff and most of the European stuff. Right. Um, if they've, if you're one of those enthusiast parents that wants your kids to get into it a little bit more, older European stuff is built way better on average than the newer European stuff. Um, as long as you're okay with them driving a really old car, Yeah. you know, and, uh, and there's some cool Japanese stuff like the nineties Japanese stuff for me is where it's at. Oh, for like, sure. Especially in that price range. There's so many good options. You just got to be okay with the mileage and the age, and you're not going to be able to take it to the dealer to get it serviced. You're going to have to find somewhere to do it. Well, and the but, other good thing about a car of that vintage for a, a new driver is less distraction, yeah. right? You don't have infotainment and you, you have don't to have, drive. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I like stick at yeah. least like, Hey kids for the first year, you're going to have a car with a five speed. And if you hate it, that's fine. On your next birthday, you can buy one that's an automatic, but it's this idea of your hands are occupied. Yeah. You're having to focus yeah. on three pedals and yeah. 
the engine RPM, you're getting an appreciation for feeling what a car does through the gears. Yeah. And when you downsit, it, when you, when you engine brake. And so you, it, it just gives you a more well-rounded respect, I think for, um, the driving process. But you and I are now the old guys that are saying that because the kids, trust me, when, when they're you have a 10 year old and a seven year old, everything you say, you're the old guy <laughs> saying that, trust me. Cause if you ask them what they want in a car, it's phone connectivity. Yeah. It's, you know, safety features, sensors, this and that. It's a backup screen. It's yeah. this and that. They don't even care about the way it no. feels, drives, and well, the mechanics of doing that. Yeah, we've talked that. about that. Some kids don't even care about getting their license right now. They don't. They'll Uber it. Yeah. So they can stay on the phone. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like we're the parent teaching them what's good for them instead of like, oh my God, I got a car that's yeah. awesome and I get to learn how to drive right. a stick. So my daughter's name is Tessa and she's already said her first car is going to be a Tesla. And she, I think she thinks she's going to pry the L off and just put another S on. Nice. Yeah. Actually, I would probably do that. (laughs) I would help her with that mod. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. (laughs) That'd be pretty cool actually. But yeah, it's kind of where it's at. And, um, it, it makes you wonder just like with the domestics, you know, you still pull down really good money for them at Bear Jackson if you go or whatever, but it is fading, you know, cause most of our generation, is an end to that. Right. You know, we're into, well, now what's going from a $40,000 Supra to a $200,000 yeah. Supra. Right. And yeah, our, our car movie wasn't bullet. It was fast and furious. Yeah. yeah. You know, and importing cars from Japan, yeah. you know, and it's importing cars from Europe and it's this, that, and the other. Um, and it kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen to those other cars, Yeah, you know, and how does that work? Even like the bone stock versus the resto mods and pro touring and all that stuff is mentality shift. People are okay buying the non pure right thing if it looks right, yep. you know, and if it drives right. So, and we talked about a little bit about the EV thing in terms of the EV conversions, conversions yeah. right? You know, that could be it's where gonna it's be going. Big, it's going to be a big business. It's going to be growing in the next two to three years. You, we've already seen shops like EV West that are doing tons of Porsche and, and Volkswagen conversions. And there's a video um, that you guys should look up by Rich Rebuilds on YouTube, where he just recently this week posted a video on like the thought process of converting a car, whether it's a vintage car or a modern car to uh, a Tesla drivetrain or just any EV drivetrain and kind of what you should expect for cost and what you should expect for compromises. Yeah, which that was interesting, the compromises thing, and we'll talk about that later. Um, But that's just where it's trending. Yeah, You know, like these things kind of move fast now. They used to move really slowly. Um, So, you know, it could be that some of these cars with the, either the next downturn in the economy or the next trend as the car, car scene migrates, these things that we value so much, depending on how fickle that generation is, they might move past it. And I think they will, you know, and maybe when we're it's 60 life, or maybe right? when yeah. we're 65, 70, we can get into that 993 yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a shot, man. Jeez. Um, it, but yeah, this is where you start to see things move in and move out and it's it's just interesting to watch but will people value the analog experience of driving a manual shift car i don't know these new cars are pretty legit too yeah you know you drive a new nsx that's an automatic and everything that i've heard about it is like yeah if you get past the fact that it's an automatic this thing drives better than pretty much anything else mm-hmm. that you could put up against it um and when I drive a Tesla at full tilt, I'm not really thinking about, oh, I need a stick. 
right. I'm just amazed that yeah. I'm able to do what I'm able to do in yeah. that car. Um, and so it's kind of like comes back to what we talked about at the beginning. What kind of sensory experience are you looking for? Right. What is it? What is it you're after? Yeah. You know, can you appreciate the car for what it is? And, well, then and also, I think in context of new drivers and, you know, these are people's kids and their their parents are still helping them make a decision. It's not 100 percent. What are you after? But it's also what do you need out of your first car ownership yeah. experience? Yeah. And I've I've met and talked to and been asked for help by so many adults our age who are running into car trouble yeah. when they shouldn't be because yeah. they just didn't know to check their oil. Yeah. And because nobody taught them because their first car was just a set it and forget it or whatever. Like, so like I, you know, as parents or as teenagers making the decision of what should my first car experience be, I think part of it should be, yes, you should get a car that you like. It should look cool and it should kind of like represent you as a person because that's what car ownership is about. I think for enthusiasts specifically would say your car is a rep. It's an expression of you in some way. Um, But also it should teach you some stuff about being a responsible person who owns a complicated, complicated piece of engineering Mm -hmm. that you need to rely on. So you need to learn a little bit of effort goes into maintaining that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to do that, you could just buy him an old Range Rover. Yeah, dude. That, that, yeah. <laughs> they'll be mechanics by the time they graduate. They would. They'll yeah. be in college. How, they'll have a lot of experience on what it's like to push a car and so they'll, they'll be a fit. car. And, they'll, be, yeah. they'll be physically winch, fit. Winch a vehicle. Uh, yeah. You can put Tessa <laughs> on the back of it. It'd be great. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, man. Well, it was good talking to you today. Yeah, and awesome. for everybody that's listening, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. Um, you can catch us individually. Catch uh, me at Inside the Rim on Instagram. Catch Steve at Gallo, Gallo 20, GTR 24 or 24 GTR? You're hurting my feelings. Is it tw- it's 24 GTR. Gallo 24 GTR. Yeah, Gallo 24 GTR, like I said the first time. <laughs> um, or you, And you can catch our previous episodes at Launch Control Cars or at www.launchcontrolcars.com or with whatever podcasting app that you use. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through Instagram or email. And uh, we hope you guys have a great time. Until next week, we will talk to you. Enjoy your cars. Peace. Peace.